the Psalms. That is the, uh, the new series that we are beginning uh, today, and um, so it's great to hear from our, uh, from our children. We've got a lot of uh, young folks from whom we're hearing from today, right? The singing, and thank you again for that. It was uh, absolutely wonderful. And then uh, the kids, and that's what we're going to do throughout this, uh, throughout this summer series. We are going to uh, be looking at the Psalms, probably many of which you are uh, familiar with, and some perhaps which you are not quite as uh, familiar, but this morning, uh, as you've already heard, we are uh, hearing about the most uh, famous, uh, perhaps scripture passage in all of the Bible, and that is the twenty-third Psalm. And so, I want to read it once again, and we're going to read it in the good old uh, King James, since I have a feeling that's probably what most of us are familiar with. And so, I invite you now to hear this passage one more time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we give you praise for this morning and for this uh, Father's Day morning. We thank you, God, for the way, as Sharon has already said, that you are our Father. And we pray this morning, on this day, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been here now for about five and a half months, and I can tell you that I have met a lot of people. It feels like in the thousands, although I'm sure it's nowhere near that much, but I feel like I have been meeting people again and again and again. And, and I'm pretty decent at remembering when I've met people, but there have been times, more than I care to admit, when I've uh, met someone and said, wow, it's great to meet you. And they said, well, we've met before. And I've said, well, of course we have. And, and so it's a little bit awkward at times, but, but overall, it's been great. And what I love about being able to meet a lot of different people is you get to see that there are lots of different kinds of people. Are there not? There are, there, there are people who, who love to laugh and, and have a good time. There are people who are more serious. There are, are people who are introverts and people who are extroverts. There are people who have tons of energy and people who feel like they're always on the brink of falling asleep. There are lots of unique kinds of people. And I think likewise, there's also lots of unique kinds of faith. I mean, there are people for whom their faith comes to them remarkably easy. And they rarely have any doubts, and there's, they seem to really question how anyone could ever wonder whether or not God exists. 
There are other people, of course, for whom that is not the case. They, they wrestle heartily with faith, and it takes them being smacked across the head before they will ever admit that there is a possibility that God exists. And then, and my guess is, this is about 98% of us. There are those whose faith continually wavers. It goes back and forth. There are times when things are going well and it's easy for us to believe that God is right with us and we see God wherever we go. And then there are are times when it feels like even though we are trying to follow him, that he has left us far behind. And I think that that's a part of the reason why the Psalms speak so deeply to most of us. Because we can identify with what the psalmist is saying. Because the psalmist goes back and forth as well. There are times when the psalmist is is shouting out about how wonderful things are and how much uh, he loves God and he's, he's willing to shout it from the mountaintops. And then there are other times when we find the psalmist is muttering in the valleys, wondering why God has turned his back wondering if God even cares about him at all. There's something that is authentic about the Psalms, which I think is so important in our scripture. Because truth be told, if the scripture was only talking about all the positive things and how if you follow God, everything was going to be great, then we would find it hard to believe, would we not? Or if the scriptures were simply mired in the difficult times and we would wonder why or how they could ever bring us any kind of hope. And so this summer, we are going to be reading through the Psalms, not through all of the Psalms, but through many of the Psalms, or not even that many. We're going to do about eight or nine, okay? And, and so we're going to do this, but, but it's not just going to be reading the scripture and then allowing Scott or I to kind of talk about it. We, rather, what we want to do is we want to open it up. And so that's why every week, just like we heard with these kids, The uh, adults, people from all ages are going to have opportunities to kind of describe why it is that a particular psalm has meaning for them. And so we look forward to this time. And we're starting this morning, of course, with the 23rd psalm. Now, this is a psalm that even those who rarely ever darken the doors of a church usually know. Almost any funeral service that you go to is going to have the 23rd Psalm read. It's really not surprising at all, quite frankly, because of the fact that it speaks to folks when they are in the midst of difficult times, in the, in the shadow of death, as this particular psalm says. And so, so it's a psalm that most of us know, and it's really pretty easy to know what the most central part, what the central focus, what the major theme is to this particular psalm, because it comes, as you may know, smack dab in the middle of it. In the original Hebrew, there are 26 words that come before a particular phrase, and then there are 26 words that come right after the phrase. And do you know what that phrase is? Tell us. (laughs) Finally, honesty. Yes, here it is. It is for thou art with me. The central theme to the 23rd Psalm is the reality that God is with us. 
Because in whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever difficult situation you find yourself, whether or not or how you answer the question of do you believe that God is with you will dramatically change how you react in those sorts of times. And those times of death, whether or not it's the death of a loved one, whether or not it's the death of a relationship, whether or not it's the death of a dream, whatever kind of death it is, how you answer the question, do you believe that God is with you, dramatically changes how you understand that time and whether or not you simply drown in the sorrow or whether or not you are able to figure out how to grow even in the midst of the shadow of death. It's Father's Day, of course, and so I figured on, on this Father's Day, maybe it would be helpful for me to, to say a little bit about my own dad and, uh, and maybe even Megan's dad. Where actually, our, our fathers have a lot of similarities. Each of them is, or both of them are named Larry. Uh, um, both of them have lived in Seattle for a number of years, although my father doesn't live there anymore. Both of them are, 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 are somewhat handsome, I, I think, and, 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 and both of them are remarkably cheap. Now, now, they wouldn't coin it as that. They would say that they were frugal, but, but they're really just cheap overall. And uh, my, Megan's father, when he was in high school, while they were kind of giving out all the superlatives, right, most likely to succeed, most athletic, he was, he was elected as, as, as the biggest tightwad of his class. And it's a, it's a moniker that, that he kind of holds up with great pride and has continued to do. I mean, there's nothing that duct tape can't fix, and there's no reason to buy anything new if you have duct tape. And, and my father is very much of similar, similar character, really. Whenever we were going places, my dad, he never thought a price was what a price really was. He was always haggling, always bartering. It was so embarrassing. I mean, he would, he would sit there, and I would just kind of go to the back and act like I didn't know him, even as a kid. And, and so he, even to this day, he turns 70 in November. Even to this day, he's not done. He, he, he goes to Walmart at the end of plant season and he, he goes up to the salesperson and he, he starts giving him a number where he will buy all of the plants for like a nickel a plant. And as he's telling me this story, you can just hear how excited he is. It's like life has meaning for him when he can get a good deal. And, and one of the things that we, one of the places he always liked to save money was in hotels. My dad hates spending money on hotels. And so when we were kids, we would be driving. And I can remember, I mean, I can distinctly remember. We were someplace in the Midwest, and I would see these all the time. But I have one vivid memory as a child of driving by a Holiday Inn. And we had no idea what a Holiday Inn was because we never darkened the doors of a Holiday Inn. That was way too plush for us. And, 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 and there was this thing back in the day called Holodomes. Anyone remember Holodomes? And my sister and I would say Holodome. We had no idea what it was, but we knew it had to be cool. But we knew as well that we would never go into a hollow dome because we would just keep right on driving. And my dad had a philosophy. It's what I call, uh, he, he had a, a, a 10 cockroach minimum philosophy. <laughs> and what that meant is if we walked into a hotel room and there were not at least 10 cockroaches, then my father felt like he had paid too much. And so, so we'd go into these, these kind of disgusting and scary hotels, quite frankly. Uh, trust me, the church floors are much better than these hotels. And we would, we would go in there, and I, I mean, it was, it was really petrifying. 
And so even as a kid, I mean, I was just, I knew, I mean, we would see, I mean, I mean, literally we would see cockroaches that would just be kind of running around. And so we'd go and it was okay at first. I think I was really tired. So I was able to fall asleep. But the real fearful part came when I woke up in the middle of the night. And I would wake up and there's just something vulnerable when you wake up in the middle of the night, even when you're on your own home. Nonetheless, when you're in a hotel that is uh, less than delightful. And so I would, I would wake up and I couldn't see anything. The, the curtains were dark. Usually it was in a seedy part of town, so there wasn't a lot of lights coming in from the outside anyways. We couldn't smell anything over the must of the comforter that was there. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear anything over the, the, the obnoxious air conditioner that came on and just shook the walls. And so I was petrified. I, I knew at any moment a bug was going to come running across my leg. And there was only one thing in the midst of all of that that could ever bring me any peace. And that was if I knew that my father was still in the room with us. But of course, I couldn't see him. I wasn't about to step in on the ground in order to go over and try to touch him. And so I just lay there, waiting and listening. Well, finally, that moment when the obnoxious air conditioner stopped. And then I would listen desperately to hear his breath. And if I could hear him breathe, then I knew that he was with me. And in that moment, all of a sudden, a switch was flipped. I was at peace. It was still dark. It was still stinky. There were still bugs around. But I knew that dad was there. And before you know it, I was sleeping again like a child. It seems to me that so often what is so important as we read this 23rd Psalm is to keep in mind the reason why it gives us peace is because it is a reminder to us that God is there. Just because God is there doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're not going to have difficult times. Just because God is there doesn't mean there aren't going to be things that are, are fearful. But it does mean that if we can hear God, if we can know that God is there, then we can still be at peace. So one of the things that we are called to do in the shadow of the darkness it's not always to try to figure out how do we can get out of those dark places, but is to simply quiet ourselves and to try to hear, to listen desperately for the breath of God. That we might be reminded that we are not alone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. And while that is remarkably true, and while it gives us great peace in the midst of difficult times, one of the things that's important for us to talk about as well this morning is the fact that far too often we end up relegating the 23rd Psalm only to days when we have funerals. 
It's kind of interesting, really, because in many ways, this is symbolic of how many of us live our lives. That in difficult times, we wonder where God is. In difficult times, we seek after God. But when times are good, in our day-to-day life, we typically don't seek after God at all and care very little whether or not God is with us until another challenge comes along. And it's unfortunate that for most of us, we don't really think about the 23rd Psalm beyond funerals, beyond the fact that he's with us in shadowy times. And this 23rd Psalm actually has, it talks about much more than just that. The 23rd Psalm, how how does it begin? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, you see, most of us, when we hear that, we kind of think, okay, that's a nice comforting kind of shepherd kind of phrase. But the reality is that the shepherd in that day and age was actually usually an image for a king, which means the king, the Lord is my king, and I have no other wants. And then beyond that, it begins to say that that he helps me lie down in green pastures, that he prepares a feast for us. In other words, the Lord as king provides security and food and drink. The point is that the Lord will provide for us and that in him is where we receive all of our needs and our desires. And that is a remarkably difficult thing for us in our day and age because oftentimes we don't live as if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We live as if, for me, Jerry is my shepherd and I can have whatever I want. So in the very beginning, this psalm is not talking about something that happens only in death. It is saying each and every day, the question is, do you allow the Lord to be your king and to tell you what it is that you desire? Do you go through what, do you understand yourself within the kingdom of God and what God wants or simply what you want or what the society around you tells you that you should And those are usually two very dramatically different things. We've noticed this even in our own house. We finally, some of you have asked, we finally moved into our house this past week. Can I get an amen to that? It has been a long time. And we actually bought the house two months ago, but, but, but just now we finally moved in because we were doing some renovation work. And so we were uh, doing a lot of different things, tearing down a wall, tearing out a ceiling, putting in new flooring, painting, all those kinds of things. And by we, I mean, I was writing the check for it to be done. And And originally, we thought we wanted to do the kitchen as well. We thought, you know what, this kitchen, we don't really like it that much. And, you know, so we we included that in the original estimate. And and then when we got the cost, we thought, you know what, the 80s weren't that bad. This kitchen's okay. We can handle it. And so sure enough, we, we moved in. We were very happy. I mean, the place just looks great. But the problem is, is that we end up going over to friends' houses. And we go over to friends' houses, and guess what kind of kitchen they have? I mean, it's remarkable. These I mean, they've got these granite countertops. They have all this space. They've got this stainless steel appliances. And then we come home. We think, this place is horrible. And so all of a sudden, we start figuring out different ways to budget, right? 
I mean, do the kids really need three meals a day? You know? I mean, isn't electricity overrated a little bit? We, we start figuring out how we can finagle our, our budget, right? We're very unlike our fathers in this way. How can we, we do something to get the right kitchen? But I can promise you this. If we were to do that and we got that perfect kitchen, that within a few days we would go over to someone else's house and we would say to each other, Megan, did you catch a, catch a peek at that master bedroom? That is nice. And before you know it, we'd be saying things like, you know what, the kids did pretty well on going from three to two. Maybe they could just eat once. And I don't really think we need running water, do we? And, and we'd be doing everything we could in order to make sure that we could have more of what we wanted. The point is that our own desires are insatiable. And if all we are ever trying to do is fill that hole of want by getting more and more and more, we will never be satisfied. That doesn't mean you should never have a nice kitchen or a nice bedroom. But it does mean that we have to realize that if we ever want to be at peace, that we have to come underneath the lordship of Christ, not ourselves. And that we have to begin rearranging our priorities based upon what God wants and what God needs from us and not what we want and what we think we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But that is not easy. Quite frankly, if we were to try to do this on our own, it would require us to never turn on HGTV and to, 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 to never go over to anyone else's house. And I really don't think that the way for us to try to be shaped like this is just to simply kind of reprimand ourselves continually for, for falling and for not really seeing God in all places and for not really submitting to God in all places. I, I think rather our call is actually just to simply begin to examine our lives in a deeper fashion. There's a spiritual practice that perhaps you've heard of before. It's called the daily examine. Have you ever heard that? It's E-X-A-M-E-N. And what this is, it's an ancient practice. And every night, a person before they're going to bed would sit there and they would ask themselves, where have we seen God today? Perhaps another way to say it is, where have you heard God breathe And as you sit there each night and you begin to see that and you begin to sense that, all of a sudden you begin to see where God has been and how God has provided for what you have needed. And I think it is in that way, as we continue to grow in our understanding of that, as we continue to grow in our appreciation and our gratitude for what God has given to us, that slowly we begin to care less about what we want and we begin to grow, begin to grow in our understanding of what God has given to us and how true fulfillment occurs. And so I want to encourage us this week, this is your homework if you were wondering. Every night, I want to encourage you to sit down to look over this 23rd Psalm, to read it slowly through, then to ask yourself or a spouse or a family member or a friend to sit there and ask, where is it that we have heard God? And is God really with us each and every day? And where is it that we have seen God provide for us? 
And in this way, the 23rd Psalm is certainly there in the shadow of death, but it is also there in our glorious of days. And in this way, we become shaped more and more like the 23rd Psalm, more and more like the psalmist, so that we can rejoice at the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, that we shall not want Can we do that this week? Good. Six of you can do it. The rest of you will be working on you for next week. But I hope and pray that we can. That we can be shaped more and more into a people for whom the Lord and the Lord alone is king. May it be so. Amen.